Girlfriends, episode number 50, How Not to Go Christmas Crazy. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Welcome to another episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Happy Advent. How are you doing? Are you going crazy yet? It's such a crazy time of year. I think that that's why I wanted to talk about this topic this week, Don't Go Christmas Crazy, because that is the temptation and that is the default mode this time of year. There's just so much. There's so much to do and a lot of it we put on ourselves, pressure we put on ourselves. Uh, there's so much going on. There's so much noise. There's so much commotion. There's so much excitement, especially if you're a mom of young kids, you feel a lot of that going on in your household. So last week, we talked about ways to keep Advent simple, some simple ideas for Advent. But this week, I wanted to address a little bit of that Christmas crazy. Um, I've been a victim of it, mostly through my own doing. Um, I think maybe that's probably the first point I want to make before I talk about some of my specific points on how to not go Christmas crazy. But um you put a lot of this pressure on yourself. Let's just admit it. You know, we were always like, you know, we moms are going around and we're talking to each other and we're like, I got to make these cookies. I got to send the cards. I got to, you know, make these craft ornaments with the kids. I got to bake the thing for my neighbor. I always do. And, you know, I think sometimes we, we fall prey to that. I've always done it. Or my mom always did it. Or the neighbors gave me a baked good. And now I have to return that. You know, you don't. No, you don't. And you know what? It's such a crazy time of year. If you don't reciprocate something this year, and if you wait and you get them back next year, nobody's going to even notice, you know? I think sometimes we have these ideas of perfection, especially we moms, because we care so much, because we care a lot about our families, because we're really at the heart of our family's celebrations. I was listening to this other podcast, um, Alicia Hernan and her husband, Michael Hernan, have a podcast, uh, Messy Parenting, which is awesome. You should check it out. You should subscribe to that. They're a great couple. They've got 10 kids, a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom there, and they just really share from the heart about parenting a large family or about parenting Catholic kids about marriage, about, um, you know, the kind of culture we live in and, you know, living out the faith in, in a contrary culture. Um, Alicia's been on the show before. Uh, she was a great guest here at Girlfriends. Anyway, I was saying all of this to say that on, on their podcast, Alicia was sharing how uh, a lot of the things that she feels like she has to do are things that are, are put upon herself. But not only that, she feels the pressure from her kids who are kind of looking to her to create this celebration. Like, oh, you're going to do the X, Y, or Z, whatever it is. You're going to make those special cookies. We're going to do that craft, right? We're going to do that thing we always do. We're going to host that party that we always host or, um, you know, whatever it is, whatever the tradition is, there's a lot of that pressure. So a lot of it's real. It's not all just stuff we're putting on ourselves. Sometimes our families really are looking to us the wife, the mom, as the heart of the home, as the heart of the family, to pull off these celebrations. And while we can recognize that it's a real privilege to serve that role in our families, it's also a real burden sometimes. It's it's a blessing and it's a burden um, to play that role. And so I think it's important to be wise going in, have our eyes wide open about the fact that we don't have to do every single thing. It's okay to skip some things some years. It's okay to have uh, a quieter year. It's okay to um, say no to some things. Uh, that's actually one of the points I'm going to make. Um, that it's okay to not do the gingerbread house you always did, or um, you know, it's okay if you do it every third year. You know, some things are traditions in that way, and certainly we've experienced that inside of our family life. So you know, have your eyes wide open this time of year about the pressures you're feeling, and give yourself an honest kind of. Uh, evaluation of where's that pressure coming from? Is it coming from your spouse? Is it coming from your family? Is it coming from your kids? Is it coming from yourself? Uh, you know, for me, it's like 80% me. It's coming from me. <laughs> it's the stuff that like I've seen. Oh, I saw this. Gosh, I made the mistake of picking up a Martha Stewart living a few weeks ago. I wanted to do everything in there, <laughs> except for some of the crafts. I thought some of the crafts looked a little weird. Uh, but 
I, I loved everything and it's also inspiring and it's beautiful and you just, you know, you make all these plans and you know, for me, I've come to a place where I can accept about myself that those things are attractive to me. If you go on Pinterest, I mean, there's an endless supply of holiday inspiration and ideas and stuff you can do. Um, and I used to let it bother me a lot more that I wasn't able to do it, or I would try a lot harder to do every single thing and do it all perfectly and wind up kind of burnt out, depleted, not really enjoying the Christmas season, not enjoying Advent, not really focusing on the spiritual meaning of this liturgical season as a result of that. So really important to have your eyes wide open about what kind of pressures you're feeling this time of year, where it's coming from, and whether or not you can control it. So having in mind the fact that you actually can control some of the Christmas crazy that you might be feeling, the first one I want to talk about, the first point I want to make to avoid going Christmas crazy is to keep some routines precious, you know, really safeguard, really protect some of your routines, your personal ones. But then if you have kids, the ones for your kids too, your everyday routines. This is stuff like times for bed, what time you get up in the morning, time that you exercise, time that you spend reading, time for nap times, um, you know, time for prayer. These routines that you have are part of what will keep you sane. You know, a, a lot of times the first thing that goes out the window when we get busy or when we get stressed are those kinds of routines. You know, we'll stay up too late, we'll get up too early, we'll um, skip the kids' nap times, or our meal times will be all messed up, we'll forget to, you know, to do our spiritual reading or have our our walk that we usually take in the morning gets crossed off the list, whatever it is, uh, of course, some of that's going to have to get compromised. And, you know, that's just life. And this time of year, that's just life more than ever. But recognize the value and the importance of routines in your life and in your family life and protect them as much as you reasonably can. I don't mean be a Nazi about it, but just realize that that's part of what's going to help you get through crazy, busy, stressful times is having some of those basic routines in place. That's what makes us feel normal. That's what, you know, and that's part of how celebrating during the holiday season can feel fun because we kind of break from our routines and um, have a little downtime with family and we eat things we never eat and do things we never do and that sort of thing. And all that can be very fun. But at the same time, keep in mind the value of some of your most basic routines and then make sure that you're, you're getting them and that your kids are getting them too, because that really is going to be something that holds you steady and can um, help you feel grounded and less depleted as you go about the busyness of the Christmas season. The second point I want to make in avoiding going Christmas crazy is watch your sugar. Oh my gosh, how many different forms of sugar and colored sugar could there possibly be on grocery shelves and in schools and in every kid's lunchbox and at every party you go to and at the post office? Like every store, it's so crazy. Every store you go to now, like they have candy and um, different forms of sugar that's just right there. Sometimes they're giving it away. Um, other times it's just stuff that's presented for you to purchase and your kids are begging for it. There's just sugar. There's so much sugar. And I mean, I like sugar as much as anybody, um, but I'm speaking as a former sugar junkie here. Sugar is going to make you feel terrible. Indulging in too much sugar, and you know this, I know you know this, even if you don't generally watch your sugar intake, you know when you overindulge in sugar, it affects your mood, it affects your energy levels, you just kind of come crashing down from that sugar high. It's not a good thing for your body. It's not a good thing for your kids' bodies. And of course, I'm not being a Grinch here. I make Christmas cookies, and we make fudge and candies and toffee and all those things. But just be cautious about how much you're going to indulge personally in those things. Um, because it will, it, it will, in the long run, it feels like, oh, it's Christmas. So I have to eat all of these things that I never eat. You know, or if you're making cookies, I have to eat a ton of them. Or, you know, if you're one of those people that can't have just one of something, know that about yourself, know that about yourself and set limits that you can stick to. And that doesn't mean saying no to everything. Just 
you know, go into the Christmas season, the holiday season, Advent uh, too is full of that sugar. Just go in knowing that you need to limit that a little bit. And you need to be a little bit cautious. Of course, I'm not saying don't celebrate, don't, don't, you know, eat good things and share treats with your your family and your friends. That's part of celebrating Christmas. But just know the effect it has on your body when you really do overindulge. I think sometimes at Christmas, and this can turn into weeks, at least for me personally, it has in the past, we kind of give ourselves a bye and we're like, well, I usually watch my sugar, but hey, it's Christmas, you know, and that's a downward spiral. At least for me, it can be that once I make that concession, uh, it feels like, oh, that excuse can last for days. Well, heck, Christmas lasts 12 days. And really, honestly, in our culture, Christmas starts getting celebrated long before December 25th. So that's a lot of garbage food intake. So um, I'm not saying don't have a little fun and don't indulge a little bit, but just be be cautious about it. And, you know, maybe plan ahead for when you are going to have those indulgences. Maybe there's a party that you're going to where you're really looking forward to having a dessert or a restaurant you're going to go to where you're um, going to have something that you don't normally eat that will be a treat for you totally fine. Just make a plan for that exception in what normally would be a healthy eating plan because you know what? You are going to go Christmas crazy if you're just living from one sugar cookie to the next eggnog and candy cane and whatever happens to come your way. There's just, there's an endless supply of it and you will, you will make yourself sick and, and your kids too. You know, I'm not one of those sugar Nazi moms, but during the holiday season, I do find that I need to be on top of how much sugar my younger kids especially are ingesting because it affects their moods, it affects their energy levels, it affects their uh, attention that they can pay to their schoolwork or um, the the kind of energy they have for helping out in the family, uh, even just in their play. They, In the end, it's not a pleasurable thing if it's hurting other parts of your life. So just keeping in mind that moderation and, and having your eyes open about sugar intake during these weeks. Okay, the third point I want to make for how to not to go Christmas crazy is know when to say no. And this, I was specifically thinking as I was making my notes for this episode, I was thinking about all the invitations we have. And sometimes you really do feel a lot of pressure. It's your family. It's a neighborhood thing that you always do. You always go to. You don't want to offend people. You want to be present at the office party, at the school party, at the whatever it is, church thing. But when you say yes to too many of those social things, it really takes a toll on you and your family. And especially during these last weeks of Advent, I think it's important to reserve some family time and be somewhat protective of your family's time at home, in your home. It's really a precious thing. And observing the season together inside of your home, it you know, in balance with the times when you're out and you're socializing, um, you know, so it's going to look different for every family. Some family could say yes to 10 invitations in a week and they would love it and everybody would be happy. Some families going to one event is enough and it's depleting and exhausting and you need a little time to regroup. I know I certainly, when I had younger kids, was that kind of a mom where if we did a social thing on one day, I was going to need two or three days not leaving the house just to kind of recover. And that's just my temperament. And so know yourself, know what your limitations are, and then know when something is pushing you beyond those limits. Because ultimately, your experience of the Advent and the Christmas season and your family's experience of Advent and the Christmas season is going to be greatly affected by that kind of balance between social activities and all the kinds of commitments that you might be tempted to say yes to and time that you spend inside of your home together as a family. It doesn't all have to be magical moments inside your home, but I just find that having that kind of balance, the kind that suits your temperament, your spouse's temperament, and your kids, you know, we all have different needs for um, levels of social interaction. We all respond differently to social interaction. Some people thrive on it and some people not so much. Um, And it's definitely an inevitable part of the holiday season, as it should be. We should be celebrating together with family and friends, um, but know when it's enough. And and don't feel bad about the fact that you're saying yes to your family, saying yes to your own sanity and your own peace of mind by saying no to some social invitations. You can go there next year. You know, there's always going to be another Christmas party. There's always going to be another invitation to to something. So, 
don't feel like you have to, you know, once when you fall, when you find yourself thinking like that, I have to say yes, I have to go, we have to go to this thing. Um, you know, give yourself a little reality check. No, you don't. You do not have to. And your family and your family's needs should be coming first. So I just want to encourage you to remember that. All right, the next point I want to make, which is related to that one, is make some room for quiet. Now, this is something I always recommend that people do. We talked about it in the, you know, are you too busy episode. Um, the, the fact that we all need that kind of space. We all need those kinds of borders, kind of buffers on our life where we have some quiet. It's just a basic need that we have. And for sure, if you're a mom of young kids, there's not a lot of quiet in your life. And I remember as a young mom, that was something that I struggled with more than anything because I am an introverted person. And that means I like quiet. I like the sound of my own thinking. And I like to kind of get lost in my thoughts a little bit. Impossible when you've got a house full of little kids. Especially impossible when you've got a house full of little kids who are super excited about Christmas and getting into that sugar that I just mentioned. So knowing that, maybe you're going to need to make some extra effort to find some quiet. Maybe it's going to mean going outside for a walk. That is one of my favorite ways to actually find quiet. You know, we live in a rural area and I can just take a walk. You know, even if it's just 10, 15, 20 minutes, just down our little country road and it's quiet. There's, you know, there's not traffic or anything and we're kind of surrounded by wood. So it's really a blessing to be able to do that. And just... It, I, I realize it as soon as I leave my house, just how much noise there is in my house. It's nonstop, you know, and when the kids were younger, it was even worse. But now I've got bigger kids with bigger bodies moving around and bigger voices. And um, so it's it's equally noisy, just in different ways. Uh, so kind of remove yourself from that co- commotion, whether it means just going outside and sitting in your car for 10 minutes or locking yourself in the bathroom or using your noise canceling headphones in uh, your bedroom closet for five minutes. Whatever it is you need, we all have that need for quiet in our lives. We all have need for that space, that kind of buffer. And get yourself that space. Uh, Everybody can so do it. Don't tell me you can't. Uh, Whether it's getting up earlier than everybody else or um, taking advantage of the kids' nap times or um, when the kids are away at school, making sure that you have that quiet. Or, you know, sometime when you find yourself driving in your car, don't turn the radio on. Don't put anything on and just enjoy that quiet. Um, it's really just it's kind of a balm to your soul, especially during this time of year that just feels so frenetic, feels so crazy, feels like there's all kinds of commotion going on and it's nonstop. Okay, so those are my four points and I'm going to, um, well, I'll quickly review them here. First is keep some of those important routines. Second is watch your sugar intake and your kids' sugar intake. Third is know when to say no. And fourth is make some room for quiet. And now I got a couple of questions kind of related to the Christmas season from some listeners. So I'm going to take those on next. Okay, first up is from Celia, who contacted me on Facebook with a very direct question saying, how in the heck do you handle Santa? (laughs) Question mark, question mark, question mark. Um, I like this question. I get it a lot. In fact, I wrote a column about it years ago that I kind of share every year. So I'll link to that in the show notes at daniellebean.com for this episode. How in the heck do we handle Santa? Okay, so Santa is one of those sticky questions that people have passionate passionate feelings about. I've bumped into this and I've actually experienced my own passionate feelings about it. Um, I think it's important to approach this topic with caution with your husband. (laughs) If you don't know how he does Santa or doesn't do Santa when you first become parents, this can be a sticky question and it can be a source of conflict. Um, When you're talking to other parents, it can be a sticky question because you've got on the one hand, people who are crazy about Santa. It's the most magical thing in the world. They love the story. They love to make believe. They they love helping their kids to make believe and kind of producing that magic for their own kids. And, you know, I find that those are people who tended to have really magical experiences of believing in Santa themselves as children. And then there are some people who think Santa is a big fat lie and nobody should ever do it ever and it's child abuse and, uh, you know, okay, of course, these are kind of extremes and many of us fall somewhere in the middle, which includes me. Um, So my background is I was raised uh, not believing in Santa. 
I never believed in Santa. My parents presented Santa to me as a story, as an imaginary character based on St. Nicholas, who was a real person. And um, I thoroughly enjoyed the story. And I grew up knowing that my parents were the ones who put together uh, Christmas, who bought the presents. Um, I knew my mom, you know, changed out the candles in the Advent wreath. And I we had a little stuffed Santa toy. And he always had, you know, candy sticks in his pockets on Christmas morning. And that was totally, totally magical to me. And uh, a beautiful celebration of the season in a, a way that was totally enchanting, totally charming. And uh, yet I knew my parents were behind it. And so, you know, to parents who are, you know, worried about their kids missing out on the magic of Christmas if they don't tell them that Santa's real, I don't believe that. I just, I that has not been my experience at all. And I think my own kids, um, you know, today, we, we don't teach them that Santa's real. We never have. I think they thoroughly enjoy the magic of Christmas um, without that story. But that's not to say that it's wrong to do it differently. Um, I will say that my mom, uh, starting out my oldest brother, uh, he believed in Santa. You know, my mom grew up believing in Santa and he believed in Santa. She started out by teaching him that Santa was real and telling him the story in a way that, you know, presented it as reality. And she changed her mind about it because when he was very young, probably kindergarten, he'd gone over to a friend's house to play and he came home and he said, mom, my friend must have been a much better boy than I was because he got a lot more presents for Christmas than I did. Ugh. You know, I mean, (laughs) that's kind of a terrible feeling. And so my mom right there in that moment made the decision, I am not teaching this kid that Santa's real. I'm going to tell him um, that, you know, that we buy the presents and that that little boy's parents could afford to buy more than we could. And, you know, that's just heartbreaking. So I think you kind of open a can of worms. um, And and there are different ways of handling that, of course, when you're, you're trying to convince kids that that Santa is actually real, really, really, really real, even when they're asking questions. You know, I've seen some families really struggle to kind of make kids continue to believe. And I think that gets a little awkward. But I'm here to say, however you handle Santa, that is your choice. That is your choice in your family. And as, you know, as much as our kids have enjoyed the stories of Santa and reindeer, and we watch all the Christmas specials, and we read the books, and we talk about the elves and Frosty the Snowman and all of those. And, um, you know, I, and I do teach my kids that, you know, Santa is a character, much like um, Rudolph is a character, much like the Easter Bunny is a character, and we enjoy them in that way. And um, but as much as I tell them that they're not real and that actually we're the ones who fill their stockings and fill their Easter baskets and whatnot, we always do tell them, and this is important, to respect the beliefs of other families, respect families who do it differently. Because I never wanted my kid to be that kid on the playground who was sending a kid home crying because he told him that Santa wasn't real. You know, it's terrible. And families have every right. To you know, celebrate the season in the way that feels right to them, the way that they enjoy, the way that is their family tradition. I fully respect that. So I think if you are going to raise your kids to not believe in Santa, to as as real as really real, um, that's totally okay. But make sure that you're being respectful of other families in the ways that you practice that. It really is an individual kind of family decision. It's part of your family's character. It's every family is different. And and people have different experiences of the whole Santa thing. And I think it is entirely possible on both ends of the spectrum to fully appreciate the real liturgical season, the real theological truths behind the Christmas season, what we're really celebrating, as well as the kind of magical stories and the the joys of the season in that more secular sense and in a more general sense, talking about the spirit of Christmas. I think it's fully possible to do both of those things, regardless of which end of the spectrum you fall on. Okay, this next question comes from Sarah, who wrote me this email. Danielle, I enjoyed listening to you the other morning when you shared tips for making Advent holy. You mentioned taking your family to Midnight Christmas Mass. She must be referring to a radio interview that I did. Um, You mentioned taking your family to Midnight Mass 
And I'm so curious at what age you began taking your children and how you made that work with young kids who are usually asleep long before midnight. We have a one and a half year old. And while I would love to go to midnight mass, it seems impossible with a child that age. Any tips you have to share would be so greatly appreciated. God bless and Merry Advent. So thank you, Sarah, for that question. And this is a topic that is very close to my heart because I very much like you, Sarah, used to feel like I couldn't possibly bring young kids to midnight mass. I don't know. It was like a mental block for me. I didn't grow up going to midnight mass until I was a, you know, an adolescent. And my parents didn't bring babies to midnight mass. And as much as I loved the liturgy, I had kind of decided that we wouldn't be able to do that. And so in our early family life, Dan and I would bring kids to, um, sorry, but it's awful, the awful, super overcrowded (laughs) children's mass, which is like that four o'clock vigil on Christmas Eve. Awful. I mean, I hated, (laughs) okay, it's mass, it's still Jesus, and it's still Christmas, but I just hated that experience. It really wasn't what I was looking for, for our Christmas experience. And then um, a short while into our family life, we had, you know, um, well, okay, it didn't take us long before we had a lot of little kids um, under the age of five. And um, it was around that time that our pastor at the time, Father Adrian, we love him. He's he's no longer at our parish, but we really loved him as our pastor. Um, he was this great kind of French-Canadian priest and kind of a no-nonsense guy. And I remember it was pretty close to Christmas, and he asked us one day after Mass, so am I going to see you guys at Midnight Mass? And you know, my response was like, are you crazy? No, look, look at all these little children we have. There's no way we're coming to midnight mass. And his response was truly, he was truly just perplexed and said, why not? Even though I had just said because of the children, and he did not understand why we wouldn't come because we had little children. And so his lack of understanding of that kind of made me reevaluate the situation. Like, well, if father thinks our children belong at midnight mass, maybe I'm approaching this wrong. Maybe we can bring them to midnight mass. And so starting that year, we decided we would try it. And they were all really little. So yes, they go to bed long before midnight. And we live about a half hour from our parish. So getting to midnight mass and, you know, you want to get there fairly early would mean like leaving the house around 11. So the way I did it when they were all very small and would all go to bed, you know, 7, 8 o'clock at the very latest, uh, you know, on Christmas Eve, it's hard to get kids to sleep anyway. But the way we did it then was I had all of their mass clothes ready. And uh, the youngest ones, I didn't bother. They could go in their pajamas. It was totally fine. Uh, There was something so funny. There's something about a young mom that feels like their babies can't be out in pajamas (laughs) at mass or whatever. Yes, they can. Just... (laughs) bring them in their pajamas and uh you know the little ones it's totally fine so what we would do is we would have them go to bed we would have them go to sleep and they would you know as well as any child goes to sleep on christmas eve Uh, we'd have an early dinner and just get them into bed and we would wake them up at like 10 30 and um get them into their mass clothes the older ones the girls i would just you know brush out their hair a little bit maybe put a bow in and off we'd go and That first experience as a very young family at Midnight Mass was so beautiful. First of all, I just love the liturgy. I think I mentioned that last um, week. The, The liturgy of Midnight Christmas Mass is so beautiful. It's so important to me. And I hadn't experienced it in a long time. So it was beautiful to experience it that way. But it was also beautiful to bring my small children into the church in the middle of the night. Guess what? That was what that first Christmas was like. Jesus came in the middle of the night, in the dark, in the cold. And so it was really just a very physical way for them to kind of experience that a little bit. And we'd say, Jesus is born. We're going to, we're going to Mass. We're going to, we're going to Christmas. And how dramatic was that? I mean, it was really beautifully dramatic for my kids, a, a beautiful way for them to kind of experience that magic of Christmas we were just talking about that some people try to create with Santa. Well, here was a way to create it with baby Jesus and um, tell them, you know, we're going to go to the church. Baby Jesus is born. It's Christmas. Let's go. And to enter our church in that way and then go to the nativity scene, have the little kids, you know, in the glowing church in the middle of the night, in the cold, in the dark. It was just such a beautiful contrast for me. And go and see baby Jesus in the manger and then experience the mass. Um, Yeah, sometimes kids have trouble uh, because they're tired. And um, we've had kids definitely sleep through almost the entire thing. 
that's fine. That's, you know, that's their role right now. That's who they are. They're tiny, they're small. And if they sleep through the whole mass, so much better for you. I would often bring the baby in their, their car seat and, you know, sometimes wouldn't even need to take them out because they would just sleep through the entire thing. Older kids, though, are, are more able to appreciate it. And by older, I mean like four, five, six, that they were just wide-eyed and they enjoyed every minute of it. And the singing is beautiful. Um, you know, p- pick a good one. <laughs> If you're going to make the effort to go pick a place that you really um, feel at home as a family that you will enjoy, that you feel like is a beautiful, a beautiful place that generally has a beautiful liturgy. Um, And I really encourage you to try it. And I, you know, just give yourself that opportunity. I think sometimes we set limits on ourselves because we have little children that we don't need to be setting. I think sometimes we, uh, expect little out of our kids when really they are capable of a greater sense of reverence than perhaps we give them credit for. So keeping that in mind, Sarah, I want to encourage you to try it. Of course, if it's a disaster for you, if it doesn't work for you, there is no obligation to continue to do that. But I really encourage families to try it because Midnight Mass is such a beautiful liturgy. And in my experience, even very young children can appreciate that beauty and it makes the season and the celebration of Christmas all the more real to them. And now we've talked a lot and it's time for an interview. Hi, everybody. I am happy to have a special guest with us here today on Girlfriends. Lisa Henley-Jones is joining us. Lisa is part of the sister blogging duo at Sound, Mind, and Spirit, where she writes about living a faith-filled life in the everyday world, parenting teens and tweens, balancing work and family, loving and supporting her husband, volunteering in the church, and teaching the faith, all while trying to get dinner on the table before midnight. (laughs) I love that. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Girlfriends. I'm glad you're here. Oh, thank Thanks for having me. Yeah, I had to add the whole dinner before midnight because some days that's exactly what it feels like. I know. Like that's going to be a major accomplishment. <laughs> you know, yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, I can so relate. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll plan meals and everything, but it doesn't always go the way that we planned. And sometimes I'll have this package of chicken I'm meaning to cook for a certain recipe mm-hmm. and it will sit in the fridge all week. And all of a sudden I'm afraid it's going to go bad, you know, so... <laughs> I- <laughs> Exactly. Best laid plans. Exactly. I know. Exactly. Well, now that I got teens, I'm, I'm trying to work on getting them to help out. So mm-hmm. while I'm driving everybody everywhere, you know, I'll call home and go, hey, would you throw something in? You know? Yeah. Hello. I know. And, you know, I've got um, – I, I use a um, a timer on my stove so that I can make stuff ahead of time, put it in the oven, and then mm-hmm. it cooks later. I didn't used to need to do that, but now I'm on the go so much with older kids that I find afternoons are kind of crazy, and mm-hmm. I'll mostly have dinner prep time, you know, early in the morning <laughs> rather than late at night. Definitely. Make that meatloaf and stick it back in the fridge and then exactly. cook it later. Yes. <laughs> right. So important. Great. Well, we're already getting to these great tips. Um, yeah. And um, people who want to learn more about you, Lisa, and your sister and all that you do can go to soundmindandspirit.com. Is that the right address? Yes. Okay. I think you have to add the www still. I oh, think. okay. I don't yeah. understand how that works, but okay. I don't either. <laughs> They'll find you. Yeah. And I'll make sure I put a link in the show notes so people can check that out. Well, Lisa, before we get to the regular questions that I ask everybody who comes on Girlfriends, maybe just talk a little bit about your ministry there at Sound, Mind, and Spirit. What do you and your sister do, and how did you get started in that? Oh, gosh. We got started in, uh, I think it was 2009. So we've been blogging together yeah, for seven years. It's been kind of crazy, up and down. And uh, this year, we tried to do something a little new. We started doing some videos together. Fun. And uh, that's that's been a whole new dynamic. Because you know how it is. When you write, you sound one way. And then when you <laughs> yes. talk, you sound another way. And, and so it's been a lot of fun. But we started out doing all over the place. We've really just kind of honed it in and focused more on just, just our lives. I think that so many of us are just out there and busy and and, and doing and trying, you know, trying to be the best Catholic or Christian or all of the above that we can be. And, right. and it kind of gets lost in the day to day. And so, um, you know, Shelly wrote uh, this week about, you know, a triumph that her teenage daughter had after a huge disappointment last year. And uh, we just, like I said, just try to celebrate those little moments and give a little empathy out there for people who are doing the same thing we are. Yeah. And so important. And, and you and your sister have such a beautiful, joyful spirit about you. 
you. I remember <laughs> I ran into you too. I think it was at a CNMC. It a, was a, a Catholic New Media conference many, many years ago. Now it, it was in Boston. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. That was uh, centuries ago. Um, but I just remember that about you that you just had this attractive, joyful spirit about the two of you, and you you just so obviously love life and love what you're doing and love each other, and that's such a beautiful thing to see in a relationship between two women. I appreciate that. We do edit out some of the bickering. (laughs) (laughs) That's normal. Sisters do that. Right, right. (laughs) Well, I love it. So people can go to www.soundmindandspirit.com to check out more of that. All right, Lisa, we're going to get to the regular questions that I always ask everybody. And you told me you you prepped a little bit and we're asking around. So we're we're really really anticipating great answers here. I I even asked my CCE class I was teaching last night. I asked them what I should say. That's great. You've done done your research you've done your background work so all right well let's start with the first one can you tell us about a time when you really felt like you triumphed or felt a real sense of achievement or accomplishment whether it was in your work or your personal life uh this one yeah so I I was a stay-at-home mom for over 10 years Mm -hmm. um and a few years ago I kind of started working again more as a hobby helping people out and then it's just it's just transformed into this full-time job. Mm-hmm. And it's been a huge adjustment for our family and my kids for me being here all the time, ready to go to being busy. Yep. And uh, one of the, I do social media marketing for, for businesses and then online marketing. And so one of the businesses recently, we had a huge win. Um, I put their name out there for a, for a business award and did all of the application process and all that. And, and we won, they, they won, <laughs> I don't, actually work but they won. And, yeah. um, and it was a great, there was a gala with trophies and all that. And, uh, the next morning the CEO called me and she said, thank you. Wow. She just said, it, we, we wouldn't have done it without you. And we really appreciate all that you do for us. And so for me, even it was their win, you know, yeah. it was a huge personal moment just because it validated all of the, the time and the, and the change in our family circumstance that's happened in the last year or so. Right. Um, it just, it just made it, I think everybody needs that yay moment, you know? And yeah. so it was, it was a really, really, I smiled for a whole day. Oh, <laughs> and nice that she thought to call you because I think too often people don't, make that step to say thank you to people and right. give them that really important recognition, which obviously is so important. And, and you know, having been a stay-at-home mom, you know how thank, thankless that situation can be. Right. <laughs> nobody was uh, giving you trophies that time either. Yeah, especially not with dinner on the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it's important to remember, I mean, I think an important lesson from, from that particular triumph is, is not only in that you felt affirmed in the changes you were making in your family life and in your work life, but, you know, just that importance of saying thank you to people, of recognizing mm-hmm. people and appreciating them. Right. I know. I never feel more motivated to do more of the same than when somebody recognizes something I've done for them and appreciates it, you know, just gives you that boost. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's great. I love that. And, and I, and I love that it's a a triumph in that kind of transition. I think many women can relate to that. We all go through phases. I mean, some of us are, are always stay at home moms and some of us are always working outside the home moms, but many of us through the years kind of flux between those things. Right. Go back. And I've done that. I was a working Mm -hmm. mom when my kids were babies Uh and then, and then left and stay home. And then it's, it's, and since I now work from home, it's still, it's it's still still different, huge, different thing yeah uh-huh. Uh-huh. always always and, and different <laughs> challenges and different compromises with each one because I've done my share of all of those too um I was just reflecting on it last night because my husband asked me to do something with the cars today and I got immediately frustrated and he didn't understand and yeah. and I was like yes I'm working at home but this is like you know the type of stuff I used to do when I wasn't working and it was easy right easy to fit in my schedule. But now, yes, I'm here physically here. But I've got, you know, a dozen things that are on my list. But yeah. yeah. Um, and thankfully, my husband has been the most supportive of this. It's, it's really been the kids mm-hmm. and my my mom. Oh, gosh. Because <laughs> she'll be like, well, can we have lunch today? I'm like, no, mom, I'm working. Well, I'm gonna be at Target. Don't you want to meet me? No, mom. <laughs> Oh, gosh. And when that comes from a parent, that's even harder. It is. She's like, I miss seeing you. I'm like, I know. I, I know. 
<laughs> oh gosh. Well, that's why you got to put her on your schedule, right? And yes. Yeah. I put, well, I put her on a committee of mine at church. Oh, that's a good move. <laughs> so now I get to see her regularly. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Oh, good move. All right. Okay. Well, moving on from the triumph to mistakes, these I find we learn even more from, even though I love hearing about the triumphs. Um, Lisa, tell us about a mistake you once made and what did you learn from it? Well, there's so many. <laughs> I know. Well, I was thinking about it um, in my in my spare time. Sometimes I give talks at churches or moms groups and stuff like that in the mm-hmm. Houston area. And I had one recently that I I was all excited to go to and really ready. And um, when I got there, I realized I really hadn't prepared the best way because the demographic was a little different than what I was expecting. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. Okay, yeah, go on. It was a mom's group, and I guess I assumed all like a broad um, age age range of their kids, right? Uh-huh. But when I I got up there and I started talking with them and asking them, you know, I realized most of them didn't even have elementary. It oh, was wow. yeah, preschool and younger. Really new moms, yeah. Right. Which is, you know, you know, I mean, that's a different stage of life. It's yep. different concerns. And, and so, um, you know, I had that kind of deer in the headlights moment while I'm trying to think of what I was going to say and then try to rewrite it in my head. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> a few things and they're kind of looking at me and I'm like, okay, well, you have preschoolers. They don't read yet. or you know, mm-hmm. like, So it really helped. I have another one coming up. And so it's really helped me know what kind of, I need to ask more questions. Right. You know, what's their expectation? What's their, you know, who are these moms? You know, you can say moms group, but that means many different things. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I love that because I've experienced that myself. And and people do tend to do that. I know even, you know, inside of the publishing world, um, various book publishers I've worked with, it's kind of like they put moms all in one group. Like, oh, you can talk to moms. You know, well, yeah. what do, what on earth does that mean? Because, yeah. <laughs> oh, sure, I can talk to moms. And of course, you have basic things in common if you're speaking mom to mom about it anything but really it's a very different perspective depending on what stage of life you're in you know right. I I know I when you were describing that experience of finding yourself before an audience you weren't prepared to speak to I had a similar situation where um, I was very accustomed and kind of really in a habit of of really mostly because I was speaking to homeschool groups and speaking um, you know to various women's groups at parishes that were very much focused and very much filled with at-home moms and so I'd really tailored a lot of my material to that. But then there was one time the school, not too far from here, so I could drive to it. I didn't give it too much thought and was like, oh, sure, I'll come talk to, you know, the parents at your school. Well, oh, my gosh, these people did not relate to me at all. Like, <laughs> it was like a fancy kind of boarding school, you know, um, wealthy demographic. And I don't know what they expected to hear from me, but they didn't want to hear my, like, pooping on the potty, booger nose stories that other people would love, you know. <laughs> And I remember feeling very, going away from that, it was a very humbling experience because, you know, you you love to get the, oh, that meant so much to me. I really connected. I, you know, I really related and all of that. But those times when you don't make that connection, Mm -hmm. oh, Oh, it's so hard to give your best self. I mean, you really want to, you're up there. You feel, you know, it's really your obligation to give them something. And and it's, uh, I think about half the room, you know, it was, I had a lot of kind of confused or not awesome looking faces looking back at me. And I felt, (laughs) I just felt so terrible. Uh, Yeah. Well, you know, I think we learn a lot from those, um, you know, and that's why I like talking about mistakes is that we really learn valuable things. And one big takeaway in situations like that is, is just that call to humility. You know, there are times I have really messed up, you know, in an on air interview on the radio, and then I'll just hang up and be like, Oh my gosh, that was horrible. And I could I could spend the rest of my day, you know, reliving the conversation right. and just dying a thousand times. And even if you're never on the radio, like just reliving conversations and yeah. you know, I think we all have that tendency. Yes, like, oh, why did I say that? Why did I do that? And um or you can just give it to God and be like, Well, it's out there, you know? And if you need to apologize for something, for sure, do that. But in situations where you're just feeling like really insecure about what you did or said and that it wasn't well received or didn't hit its mark put it out there, give it to God, you know, his message wasn't always well received either. So true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, really important. Well, great. I'm glad you shared that, Lisa. That's really inspiring. (laughs) All right, moving on to the best advice. What's the best advice you've ever gotten and who gave it to you? And how do you use it? 
Well, I was really tempted to say, go to the bathroom before you get in the car. Because <laughs> as a mom of a certain age, you know, it's uh-huh. like our bladders are toddler size again. I don't understand that. <laughs> I, I would like a doctor to come on and explain this to us. <laughs> We're probably but really I, scaring I, the younger moms I, listening. I say, my mom always told me to wear lipstick. Oh. Put on your lipstick. Okay. And I used to be really confused by that. And I think I finally figured it out. And that, and I do, I, I, I might not have a lick of makeup on, but I'll put on lipstick. Mm-hmm. And I think it was her way of telling me, you know what, if that what that's what make you feel put together or confident or right. like you're putting your best foot forward, then, then just do it. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that you have that one thing going. But I mean, we'd be driving across the country and you know, we're not stopping at a gas station for two hours and she'll be like, you need lipstick. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Kinda, huh. But I do, but I, I find myself doing it now. And I really had to stop and think about why do I do that? Mm-hmm. And it's because it makes me feel like I've, you know, I'm just more put together. You know, right. I just, I, it's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. And, and I think that's really true. And, you know, I've heard that advice over the years, especially for moms who, who stay home with young children that, the, the temptation is to kind of like just wear the same ratty pair of yoga pants for like, you know, four days in a row and, you know, shower if you can, whatever if you can't, you know, who cares? Nobody's seeing me and whatever. But it does affect your, your the way you're approaching your work and it affects how you feel about yourself. You know, we're physical creatures and it matters. That doesn't mean you have to go all out, you know, and, right, right. you know, get your hair super done or something. But, you know, and for different people, it might mean different things. Some people who never wear lipstick, maybe it means washing your face, brushing your hair and putting on a clean shirt, you know, right. uh, <laughs> the basics. And sometimes we forget the basics. Right. And I used to think about that. I still do being home all the time still, it, mm-hmm. you know, like before my husband comes home right you know no matter what I've been lounging in all day in front of the computer I still want to mm-hmm. you know make sure I've you know, I will do that too yeah done my hair or you know something because it makes me feel better I mm-hmm. just it's kind of like yay okay yes <laughs> still human yes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I do find that so important that the physical affects the mental and Remembering that connection is super important, especially to to moms, especially moms who are spending their day at home. I think maybe people who are working outside the home, that comes more naturally because you kind of got to prep to go out. But um, (laughs) and that can be exhausting for different reasons. You know, I know when when I've been traveling and working for many days in a row, I am just so glad to come home and be like, I can just wear jeans and a T-shirt today. And if I have a Skype call, I will change my shirt. And that is it. Like. I have my my Skype shirt hanging in the closet, like put it on for a 20 minute call and then change back out. Yeah. I love that. Don't tell my boss. He's probably wondering why I'm always in that shirt. I know she needs to mix up her style a little bit. I should probably have two or three Skype shirts hanging in the closet. Well, (laughs) it's your uniform. Exactly. Yeah. I'm a big fan of uniforms. All right. I think we have time for one more question before we get to your lightning round. Um, If you could go back in time and have a conversation with yourself 15 years ago. Now, I don't know how old you are. I think you're younger than I am. But what would that, what would you say to yourself back then? Well, what's funny about that is 15 years ago this week, I was extremely pregnant with my first. Oh, my gosh. So that's so a good her, time to give birthday, yourself some advice. Yes. Yeah. Her birthday's in two days, and she'll Aww. be 15. So, and I was still in my 20s, barely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, well, first thing I would tell myself is, you know, labor and delivery does not is not that bad every time. So just <laughs> chill out. <laughs> I cried for six months after I had oh my, my first gosh. one. Oh, my gosh. How bad it was. Right. So, just take a breath of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess it has to do with um, comparisons and just relaxing and don't be so hard on yourself. Mm-hmm. That First of all, I'm really glad Pinterest didn't exist back then. Oh, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the best. It's the worst. It's the best. It's the worst. Yeah. It was hard enough keeping, you know, as a, a well, I was working at first and then stay at home mom, you know, with all like the birthday parties and the invitations and the cutesy stuff and scrapbooking and sure. you know, all that world. Just, you know what? Just let it go. Mm-hmm. You know? Does if, not matter. If, if the kids don't like what you made for dinner or your husband scrunches his nose when you say, you know, like he says, what's for dinner? And you tell him and he scrunches his nose. It's, make it anyway. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all going to be okay. It's, it's all, yeah. These are the small things. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's huge. I think that's something you learn, I would say, in your 
later 30s, you know, but when you're in your 20s and even early 30s, new mom, all this stuff, you're still trying to figure it all out. And I think that's the beauty of our 40s is that we're kind of like, meh. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it it worked out before. It's probably going to work out again. Yeah. Everybody survived. We're good. Yeah. (laughs) The, The beauty of life experience, the perspective it gives you. So, so important. And yet I'm picturing you talking to yourself 15 years ago and that your 15 years younger self would be like, yeah, right. You know, because oh, <laughs> I think I, I was I, like that. I would totally be like, you don't understand all no. that I have to do and what's going on with me. You know? Right. I know. I think some things you do have to just learn by experiencing them. You can't, you can't really buy that long perspective, that broad perspective oh. that brings so much peace. That's the thing. And, you know, I've thought about these questions too and going back. That is something that I would try to convince myself that there's real peace in the, in letting go of that stuff. And that's all any of us ever wants, you know? And, and I, that's not what matters. You know, right. what matters is your family, your faith, just, just your, what's going on with you and, and all of those other things, the comparisons, those are just, they're just thieves. I mean, they just steal everything from you. So just, I don't know. I always tell my kids that I'm like, it doesn't matter if everyone else doesn't like you. You don't like everyone else either. (laughs) I said, if you can learn that now, you're way ahead of me. Right. (laughs) Right. I know. (laughs) I probably told myself don't anguish too much about leaving work at that point. Oh my gosh. You know, that, that whole first baby and maternity leave. And um, I was practicing law back then. So it was a, Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. deal to to finally walk away from uh the legal world and stay home yeah play groups and go hi i'm a lawyer (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know there's so much there's so much judgment and presumption there oh it's the it's terrible well it's an identity too you know Mm -hmm. so it's it's hard to transition oh the things we do to ourselves honestly (laughs) it's so so unnecessary so (laughs) i know Oh, gosh. Well, I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Lisa. Um, And now we're coming to the time where we do our lightning round, which is a way we get to know our guests a little bit better. And we've had some fun surprises here. Just last week, we had Tiffany Walsh from Life of a Catholic Librarian, and we find out she's a belly dancer. So yes, I've met her. And I when I found that out, it was yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't know that from her, no. you know, her Twitter persona, her librarian stuff. You're just like, what? She's a what? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's great. And <laughs> we'd never know it if it weren't for the beauty of the lightning round. So I don't know if you've got some belly dancer secrets hiding in your closet, Lisa, <laughs> but we're going to get to the bottom of this. Um, <laughs> how I can think on my feet. All yeah, right. you can do it. It's not going to be a problem for you, I'm sure. I always try to make people nervous for this, but it's not actually anything hard. You can totally do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if you're ready, Lisa, we'll get started. This is Lisa Henley Jones, Lightning Round on the Girlfriends Podcast. Okay, Lisa, what for you is the most challenging part of balancing work and family? Dinner. Oh, yeah, we already knew that, right? <laughs> no I'm surprise. Sorry, that really no, that's all right. Okay. I'm not a great cook. I admit it. Mm-hmm. And my family is full of um, like Master Chef critics. Oh yeah. So oh, tough. They're constantly like, Mom, this this wasn't quite done enough, or it's oh. a little salty, or I mean, it's that's like, why they're welcome to cook. That's why they're welcome to cook. Yeah. Okay. All right. When you have a rare moment alone, what guilty pleasure do you indulge in? Oh, probably Netflix. Mm, I I, I'm watching The Crown right now. Oh, is, Queen you, Elizabeth. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, I like it. It's, okay. it's not a drama like a Downton Abbey drama. It's done okay. really nicely. Ooh, I'm going to check it opinion. out. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, and what is something only your sister Shelly puts up with about you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it fluctuates between my whining and my insanely happy positivity. Oh, I... <laughs> Love it. Okay, that's it. 60 seconds, you survived. And I love that answer because I'm a naturally positive person and I know it drives some people up a wall. Like, I know I'm annoying and I try to tone it down sometimes, but... um, It's like, I know you're feeling really down, but I can make it, you know, like, happy for you. I know, I know. And and the temptation, too, is to, like, fix everybody, um, make them all be happy, too. And that's not always what they need, you know, (laughs) I think. Right. Sometimes they just need to vent and they uh-huh. need to pat on the shoulder and then it's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. And, you know, being married to a melancholic as I am, I know this, you know, I know 
he needs that process sometimes. And he sometimes he needs me to kick him in the butt and be like, okay, time to get over yourself and yeah. what, you know. But sometimes he really just needs time to feel bad about something. And yeah. that's okay. He's always accusing me of, of not fully engaging in my feelings because I feel, <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm fully engaged, but um, I just, I can't, I don't know. I think it's a gift and it's a curse at the same time to yeah, be yeah. Pollyanna. I, I, I agree. I'm, I'm one of those always optimistic people. Mm-hmm. So. I know. Yeah. Well, it's, it is a gift and I'll try to focus on that. And, and I love your positive spirit, Lisa. I really appreciate you sharing some time with us here at Girlfriends. Um, before we have to go, maybe there's something you're working on. What are you doing that's new and what are you excited about these days? Oh my gosh! Right now, I uh, I'm big focus of mine is I'm uh, organizing the our parish women's retreat. Nice. So it's going to be early March, and we're bringing in Lisa Hendy. Woo! Love it to to uh, be our speaker. So uh, that's taking up a lot of time and effort, and I and I'm trying to blog the process, you know, a little bit about what it's you know our our hits and misses and what we're doing. Yep. But um, you know, so if y'all well y'all would say a prayer out there for our ladies and that it, yeah. it is a real a retreat for their spirit that they need. Absolutely. Okay. Well I love that you're doing that and we will definitely keep that in our prayers here at Girlfriends. I love having prayer intentions that are specific to our community and our audience and our guests. So love that. We'll add your retreat project to our prayer list. And thanks Lisa. I mean I really appreciate everything you and your sister share. <laughs> all that you do online and just your, your your beautiful joyful spirit and how generously you share it thanks for coming on today oh i appreciate that it was so much fun <laughs> anytime good morning danielle my name is marie and i have been a long time listener first time caller and i just wanted to call and say thank you so much for your wonderful podcast I'm a new mom. I have 10-month-old twin babies, and uh, this year has been pretty abundant, to say the least. And so my ability to to do things like read spiritual books and have conversations with friends is a little limited. I work full-time and have a side job in addition to being a full-time mom. So um, I'm very blessed, but my plate is very full. So I just, I really appreciate your podcast. It allows me to kind of have some me time on the way to a run or in between chores or right before bedtime. So I'm just really grateful. And I, I know you're, you're working hard for all of us out here in invisible podcast land. So I just send my gratitude and I look forward to your future podcasts. They mean a lot to me, and I'm sure many others. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for that feedback, Marie. It's really, really encouraging to me to hear that the podcast is blessing you even inside of your crazy life. And um, first, I want to say that's my first time getting first-time caller, the long-time listener, first-time caller, which makes me feel like I'm Rush Limbaugh or something, which is totally cool. Um, but not that I'm a huge fan of his. Oh, gosh, don't send me those emails. Anyway, Thank you so much, Marie. I really appreciate you taking the time to give me that feedback. And I love your use of the word abundant (laughs) to describe your previous year. Because with 10-month-old twins, I am sure it certainly has been abundant. And it sounds like you're doing many other things besides. So I'm really grateful that the podcast is able to be a little bit of respite for you, a little bit of you time, a little time away, something that you can enjoy and that can encourage you inside of your vocation, inside of that work, that hard work you're doing every day. So God bless you, Marie. Thank you for that. And if you would like to leave feedback like Marie did on uh, SpeakPipe, you can go to daniellebean.com and click that little tab on the side that says leave a voicemail. It's super easy. You don't need any special equipment. You can do it right from your phone, right from your computer. And I love to get those voicemails because then I can add your voice to the podcast. And I love to hear your feedback too. So however you want to give it to me, you could give me your feedback through Voxer, which is a cool app for sending voice messages. You can use that voicemail uh, tab on daniellebean.com. You can always send me a message on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on pretty much every social media platform you can find me. Um, And you can always just send me good old-fashioned email, just like Celia and Sarah did this week. So however you want to give me the feedback, I really appreciate it. And for those of you who have the time and are able to do so, I love it when you're able to give me reviews 
and subscribe and rate this podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, wherever you listen, because it really helps in getting the word out and sharing Girlfriends with more people. And thank you too to those of you who support Girlfriends podcast on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash girlfriends is where you can go to find out how you too can become a supporter of this program, how you can make possible the production of this podcast even as little as a dollar per episode. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode. You can set a monthly limit so that you never break the bank. I'm never going to record a dozen podcasts in a month anyway, just so you know, I don't have that capacity. Um, But if you go to patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash girlfriends, it really is so meaningful to me. It is so encouraging to me when some of you are willing and able to financially back what I do here and uh, give back a little bit if you appreciate what I'm doing with the podcast. So those are some of the ways you can support this podcast and encourage what I'm doing here. Another way is please pray for us. Please pray for me. Pray for the other people who listen because it really is a prayerful community. You know, Lisa Henley-Jones shared in her interview today about the retreat she's working on. We're going to keep that in prayer. Former podcast guests have shared about their lives and ways in which they need prayer. Um, I'm thinking especially of Elena who shared about an upcoming adoption she's hopeful about. You know, all of these things are heavy on our hearts. And even if there's something that's heavy on your heart that you haven't shared with us as a community, know that I'm praying for you. Know that I'm praying for the things that are weighing on you, For the that I'm praying for you to find peace and balance and joy inside of your vocation, especially during this crazy, busy season of Advent leading up to Christmas, however that's playing out in your life. And thank you so much for being here for another episode. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your time with me once again this week. It's so encouraging to me. Your presence here is truly a gift to me. It's truly encouraging to me that you show up and that you trust me with a little bit of your time each week. Thank you for being here. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a Danielle Bean production. Know your worth. Find your joy.